radioinfluence.com. It's your man DJ Eakin, of course, the DJ Eakin podcast, which I seem to have found myself uh, in things that we're getting used to, Jason, because Jason is here, of course. But guess who's not here? The lovely Brittany Gonzalez, still on vacation in Jamaica, which I didn't even know that Brittany was on vacation, first of all, which means that it's an unauthorized vacation. Like Brittany just took vacation and then we go to do the show and that's when we find out Brittany's on vacation. Like Brittany's the type of employee that asks you for a vacation after she didn't already bought all her tickets and everything. So it don't matter what you say. She's already going. She's already going. So you just you just here by yourself, man. All right. <laughs> but I do have some guests today and and a very kind of serious topic that I want to touch. Shouts out to my man Cam Folks is on Mr. Time to Eat right in the building. And of course, a dude who you will hear a lot more on the DJ can podcast because I have so many questions and I think that I'm going to need a dude like this to answer. Uh, Mr. William Frankie, AKA Billy, AKA the law father. My guy is on here as well. And, and, and gents, let me, let me just start here because normally when I start this kind of show, I'm like super, super duper angry, but I don't know today. I'm not exactly super angry. I think I'm more disappointed in the world that it seems like we're living in. And I guess what I'm talking about is, as as we all know, we're having the Derek Chauvin trial right now, which is the, the, the officer accused of killing George Floyd up in Minnesota. In the midst of that, um, which I'm not following too closely, we've had another school shooting. And on top of that, Minnesota is back in the news again, because now we have the killing of 20 year old Dante Wright. And if you're like me, you may have tried your hardest not to watch the video because that's what I did. I tried not to watch the video because at this point, it's like it's it's caught in my psyche. It's bothering me a different kind of way. So I'm trying not to watch it. But I did happen to see it on CNN yesterday. So here I am again. And just so everybody who who may or may not know about this particular incident and then I'll get the guys involved. It starts at the traffic stop. Um, the first reports were. Dante got pulled over because of objects hanging from his rearview mirror. And in doing further research, this is a problem in Minnesota. It's it's against the law. It's some sort of a problem. But it also seems to be one of those things that's complained about in Minnesota because it seems to target African-American people as a way to stop them. Now, since then, in doing prep for the show, there's another narrative being put out there that he actually was stopped because of a registration issue. So now we're trying to move away and that the objects in the mirror became an issue once the cops got up on the car. So follow me here. We'll discuss that in the midst of all of that and running his license and figuring out who he was. It was determined that he has a warrant. Now I've heard a couple of different versions of this, whether the warrant was for something super minor. I've heard now um, that the warrant, there may be two warrants, but the main thing that jumped out was the warrant that everyone was talking about yesterday was it was something simple. Like the kid was 17 or 18 and he got caught smoking weed in the process of getting caught smoking weed. There was a court date or something sent to his house. And again, we will get all of this straight and laid out that was sent to the wrong address. So he missed the court date In missing the court date. The warrant was issued. Then as he's pulled over and I want to make this part clear because I, I, I want everybody to understand I'm black first. Okay. There is no getting around that, but I'm also a realist and I'm also a person that I very much respect 
those of us that are getting those those folks that are out there risking their lives every day to protect and serve. So this isn't an anti-cop stance. It's an anti-bad cop, anti-bend the rules type cop stance. I don't have an anti-cop thing. My uncle was a cop. I got nothing. I got I got no real mistreatment personally from me, from cops. And I know for a fact, just from working with cops here in the Tampa Bay area, that they are not all bad by even a stretch of the imagination. But in the midst of this traffic stop, we we realize, I guess, that he has these warrants. The traffic stop suddenly escalates a bit because Dante, in the midst of the conversation and them trying to cuff him or whatever. And this is the part I want to make clear that I am not condoning. A scuffle ensues where he's trying to get away for whatever reason. But what I do know is clear is that Dante doesn't have a weapon. He's not brandishing a weapon. He's not trying to reach for a weapon. None of that is happening. In the midst of that, the third police officer whose camera angle we are seeing clearly from her body cam who walked upon the incident last. She pulls out what's clear to me in the video is a gun. But she's screaming, and we just counted this five different times. She says, taser, 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 taser. And the report came after that, that she thought that she pulled her taser out. Mm, we can dispute that later on in the show. I just want to get the details out now. And with the last three screams of taser, 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 the cop who was initially tussling with Dante, he moved. And boom, she shot him. As soon as she shot him, he drove off. I don't know whether it was shocked that made him hit the gas, whatever, but he only went a few hundred yards and he ran. He, it was an accident. He died right there. But she immediately screams after that, I shot him. Um, that's the part that I take super issue with. And let me just say it to you as plainly as I can, and I'll get the guys going. My issue is... When it comes to people of color, the, the whatever you, is used to deal with them, it often is way over the top of what the accident actually is, of what the incident actually is. Like, like the use of deadly force, to me, to me, I'm, I'm not risking my life out there as a policeman, but to me, the use of deadly force did not match the situation that they were in right, right at that moment. You got three policemen there. This kid does not have a gun. He's 20. The other passenger isn't moving at all. There was no need for a gun. Um, before I give other examples of everything, we also, too, I, I want to be mindful that I mention this. We've got Lieutenant Karen Nazario, or is it Karen? Karen? I hope I'm not saying his name wrong because it's C-A-R-O-N Nazario, Lieutenant Nazario, who's half Latin, half black, he gets pulled over, and if you're anybody in this world that has been talked to by your parents, uncles, aunts about driving, one of the things that, that I was taught growing up is if you're somewhere and it's super dark and the cops are looking to pull you over and you feel uncomfortable, put your blinkers on, slow it down a bit, and pull over to a lighted area, which is what he did. That incident was on 7-8 from the very beginning, all the way to the point that this officer had his hands out of the window, wasn't sure what to do with his hands after that. He got pepper sprayed. He got put on the ground. We've all seen the video. So that's where we are with, with my disgust as we start the show. So I guess I'll just, I'll, guess, I'll just throw it out to you guys. Like, I'll start with you, Billy. Your initial thoughts on 
and 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 also I want to make this clear. You're a former police officer, which is why I definitely want to talk to you. You are also a lawyer and a great one at that. So you. you know some things about about the the law and the rules that I that I like to hear your opinion on. But first, let's just get your initial thoughts on the Dante Walker incident. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I I know the narrative has been for a long time here that it, it's so much of this is racial related, but. I think I watched that video from really an entirely different perspective, right? And like, I have questions. I have questions as to why certain things happen, but it's more from a training perspective, right? So if I bring it all, if I take it all the way back to the beginning, for example, and, and you mentioned the warrant, and it could have been a minor warrant, but here's the reality, right? You don't have a choice. As an officer, if there's an act of warrant, you legitimately, you can't make that, that choice. And I, I can tell you, Back when I was a deputy, I had, I think she was like 60 or 70 years old. I stopped this poor lady on a traffic stop, right? And it was really kind of a minimal thing, but we always had to run their licenses. And she had a warrant. And I, I couldn't go, hey, yeah, no, you know, your grandma, you're, you're fine. You know, it's signed by a judge. It's an order, right? So you don't have a choice there. But after that, it all, it all kind of goes haywire. And my first question is, why did that officer, that first officer, why did he have that other officer come up? He seemed to have control of the situation. He seemed to have the hands of, uh, uh, what's his name, Dante, Dante, I believe. Yes. He seemed to have Dante's hands in, in pretty good control. So why does he move for a second officer, officer to come up? You know, so that's my first question. But I'll tell you, my first thought, and, I, and like you, I don't watch these videos. I only watch this video and the Army officer video because – you know, we're going to be going to be talking about it today. Uh, right. I can tell you just look, I've, I've been through a lot of different things as a deputy. So to me, I make the choice that it's better for my own mental health, that I don't watch it unless it's it's pertinent for everyday life. Right. Like like this is. And you're taught with the taser a couple things. Your taser is generally a cross draw. And uh, we saw this a few years ago, I think it was now. Uh, San Francisco Bay Area Transit officer shot somebody when he thought he had his taser. And there, I believe they carried their tasers and their guns on the same side. Right. Now, we were always trained, and it sounds like Brooklyn Park was trained the same way, that your taser goes on the opposite hand side that you shoot with. And so you actually have to reach across your body to grab it and pull it out. So that's one big difference. They also weigh different. Like the taser's a lot smaller, you know. So, but I take all of those things, and what I can't wrap my head around is, I really do believe that she thought she had her taser because, in a high stress situation, one of the things that they always train you on is, you're going to do things over and over and over again. And to me, her training kicked in that, okay, grab my taser, I'm going to say taser, 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 right, and. That officer is going to move out of the way, which I've been in situations like that where, where you have someone who's starting a fight, right, and someone has a taser. And, and tasers are a good tool because, yeah, they, they stick into you. They have prongs that stick in. But they're, they're the – for lack of a better option, right, once, once they put, take their finger off of the taser trigger and the five seconds goes – it's done. There's no it. There's no more pain. There's no more incapacitation. It's just right when it's right then and there. You know, to me, uh, 
once the taser stops, it, it's a, it seemingly is a better option than punching or using a, an asp or using something else because of the immediacy of when it when it ends. Right. right. Now, could I say from watching the video, based on my training, would a taser have been an appropriate use of force in that situation? Look, you have a guy with a warrant. He's trying to get away. Really, irregardless of what that warrant is for, right? He's trying to flee, and he's getting in the car now. There was an officer on the passenger side, and it's not quite clear. If the guy drove away at a high speed, would he have hit that other officer? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he was far enough away. But- a taser would have been proper in that situation, but she just didn't grab her taser. And I, I, I really don't understand why, but I do think that that was her intent, but intent doesn't put him back here with us. Right. Right. So it, to me, it, all of these things to me from, from being a lawyer and having been in law enforcement, there is so much of this, I think that can be corrected with training and better, better police training and better quality candidates with the police hold those thoughts because i i there's a i'm going to come back to that with a question cam your initial thoughts on on the incident it's tough to see um obviously every time this happens you know we wonder when it's going to end when it's going to stop i definitely you know i'm an army vet so i've spent 14 months in iraq in iraq i carried a taser with a sidearm um, so I try to see both sides of it. Uh, you know, it's just, it's difficult, you know, seeing things like that. And in the aftermath of knowing that he has a two year old son and, and all these things. And I guess it always kind of leaves me with a question of like, how could this have been prevented? How could this not happen? And I think the easy thing is when the first, uh, news came out that, you know, the officer thought she reached for a taser. I know at least myself, I was thinking, okay, this might be a new police officer, someone that's new on the force, but then we find out it's someone that's been there for 25, 26 years, which obviously makes that a lot more difficult. Do I think that that officer woke up that morning and said, I'm going into work today, I'm going to take, you know, unarmed black man's life? I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Do I think it's 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 tough sometimes that you know I, one of my best friends is a sheriff officer and we talked about this last night for an hour i think it's tough sometimes that you know there is an aura and there's a narrative that you know there is an inherent danger placed or a threat placed on people that look like you and i right and that maybe if that would have been you know a person of a different color or an elderly lady or something like that, like that may have not happened. So I, I think it's it's a tough struggle to go back and forth to try to figure out how it did happen, how it doesn't happen. What I will say is that I feel that at least that police chief and that police department is handling this a lot better than I've seen in the past. Just like you mentioned earlier, the lieutenant, I mean, that happened in December. We're just now seeing that video because he's suing the police force and those police officers. And that video comes out, goes viral, and the next day or a couple of days later, that officer's fired. I, I think there's obviously kind of two two ways to look at it. There's the action and there's the reaction. Right. So at least for me, I feel like I get sanctity in the fact of, of knowing at least, okay, if something like this, if they came out the very next day, showed us the video the next day, incredibly transparent. If you watch that press conference that the police captain had or commander had, 
At no point in time did he call Dante a, a suspect, which we've seen happen multiple times, because as soon as something bad happens, you know, it's, oh, well, what's this person's past? That person's past had nothing to do with that current situation. He used the word accident a lot, which I don't agree that it, you know, should necessarily be classified as an accident. But again, I've never been in a high stress situation and had to pull out a taser or a gun. So to me, it's just, you know, how do we a stop it from happening? And then how do we b make sure that there is policing of police in essence? Right. Because we all know about the blue wall of silence. Um, but to me, there has to be some type of preservation where if you know something's happening and you know it's not right, you got to step up and say something, whether that's your brother or whether it's not like something has to be said. Right. I think what, what bothers me, though, most about about something like this, though, is. What if there's no film? What if there, what if there's no phone? What if there's no body cam? Right. Because even when I see the body cam, I always feel like they're trying to tell me something I didn't see. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like we counted the minutes on George Floyd. We counted those. We counted the minutes in the seconds. And even now we're finding out it wasn't 846. It's more like nine something nine. that actually happened with George Floyd. Right. So here we go with this incident. And again, I feel this deeper because I feel like. And, and Chris Rock made a joke about this. You, you can make a mistake if you're a dishwasher. Oh, damn it. I forgot to wash this. This I put in there. You can't make them. You uh, being a cop is like being an airplane pilot. Yep. Some mistakes you just can't make. Like you just you just can't make the taser gun mistake. And again, I, I, Cam, you made a very good point. If she's a new person, she's trained, she's never been in anything. I would not say I feel better, but I would feel like eh. what I'm starting to feel like. And, and I'll take it back to um, I forgot this guy's name, but you will. will, will we remember there was a father in the passenger seat. His girlfriend, who's the mother of his child, in the in the driver's seat, and the daughter in the back seat, and the cop was at the passenger side window, and for some reason wanted his ID, and he told the cop, he goes, "I have to reach in my pocket to get my ID because you're telling me to, but I am also licensed to carry a gun, but I am reaching because you're telling me to." You understand what I'm saying? And when he goes to reach, he got four. He got four in him in front of his daughter in the back seat. I just don't. And again, I don't know all the news. I just don't feel I'm trying to figure out. And and Billy, maybe you can help me with this. Why is there such a fear or an over aggression or at least what we seem to see here? Because, again, let me be clear and let me be kind of objective as the host of this show. I don't see every incident that happens in America. I see a bunch of them that make it to, you know, make it to go viral. You understand what I'm saying? Like I was telling someone yesterday, I got a video on my phone right now of a guy walking towards the police. White guy. He's shooting. They shoot him once. He falls and he sits next to a tree and they tell him, put the gun down. He still don't put the gun down. Not another shot fired. So in your experience as a, as a police officer and not you personally, or if it's even you personally, is there a, is there a sense of thought within the police force that black men are going to be more aggressive? I mean, I personally don't think so. Right. And I'd like to believe that that's not the case, but I mean, look, I, I predominantly worked in, you know, minority high drug, high crime areas. That's, that's where I spent, you know, when I was with Hillsborough, I worked primarily in Progress Village. Okay. Right. So I spent a lot of time in there. And this is the example I'll use for it. There were the, the going thought with Progress Village was, or at least the nickname for it that other deputies had was No Progress Village. And, you know, I'd have to go, hey, guys, look, here's the reality. 
there's actually good people who live in there and that's that's where they live and you know what i'm going to do everything i can to make it better for them type of thing so does that attitude maybe show itself in different ways yeah i i think so right and i think you need the right person to be in there and, and doing different things right i mean to me like i literally would get out of my car or i'd have the windows down and i would talk to all of the residents in there and just you know hey what do you like what do you don't like what are you seeing so it's some of it's getting in with that but honestly sometimes though we on the outside only see a small part of the picture right. because especially in the neighborhoods that i worked in we knew everybody that was in there right and my partner would tell me hey i had this guy or this car that did x y and z to me yesterday then i see it again now whether the guy had a gun or drugs in the car the day before right and was acting you know somewhat we'll call it interestingly right maybe wasn't stopped but you know maybe maybe fled or maybe did something else i'm starting that that a little bit higher right? i see that same car again with the same person in it and and i'm you know instead of that like a one or a two i'm maybe at a three or a four before we even start because I have additional information that I might not otherwise have or that we looking at and watching these videos. And I'm not saying that applies to either uh, the Dante case or the uh, the army officer case. But just in general, sometimes there's things that we as the public don't know. Right. Agreed. Let me let me ask both of you this and that, let's go to the army lieutenant Nazari, Nazario. Like I said, I've, I've had this conversation before, like literally, like it's been talked talk to me by like my uncle that was a policeman when I was younger and my mom and dad like, yo, like when you're driving somewhere and, you know, you, you drive from state to state, right? Say and you may hit a stretch of highway that's like hardly any street lights, whatever. And you're going a little fast and boom, the lights are on you. Put your flashes on, slow it down and then pull to a, a lighter, a light, a place that's that's lit. Now, let's take that example right there. Because to me, again, and again, like you said, there could be a couple of things that happened before that, because originally with that one, it was that he got pulled over because he didn't have a license plate. Now it's determined yeah. that he has a paper tag of because that's what you put on a new vehicle. But even that, right. The aggressiveness of the of the of the cop towards that guy was like. I don't know. I don't even understand how the how the lieutenant stayed as calm as he did for the whole incident. Like I, I'm gonna yeah. give him kudos just for staying that calm when you feel like your life is in in jeopardy. Because he he told, he said I feel like my life is in jeopardy. His dog's in the back. He gets he gets pepper spray. I don't. To me, him being he just deserve deserves something for just being that calm the whole time. Now, if that's not the way to go, what do we suggest? What do what what else can a citizen do? And other than just start with, of course complying like what what else do you think that let's start with the citizens like let's start let's start with me getting a traffic i'll put myself in a position i'm i'm in that traffic stop as a lieutenant what else could he have done right or is there anything it just or the cop because i don't see anything else that the lieutenant could have done to help himself in that situation i mean look i i'll i'll maybe start because okay i'll tell you right (laughs) I, I'm Italian. I'm Sicilian. I'm white. Right. I don't feel any more comfortable if I were to get stopped in a rural area with no lights than I think you described. Right. I, I would feel the same like, hey, I better do everything right because I don't know what's going to happen next. And oh, by the way, generally speaking, 
you know, I'm carrying a handgun when I'm traveling from Florida. I, my parents live in North Carolina. And so when I go to their house with the family, I generally have a gun on me. So I don't feel any easier about being stopped just because I'm white. You know, that's, I think, the start of it. I, I don't think it's just a one race thing. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I feel. Right. Cam? Or better, I mean, you know, I you know what, Cam? What, what's a question? Here's a question for you, Cam. While I got you here, because I think he he gave us good points on that. Do you, as a black man, feel any different? Do you feel like there's? Because I feel like there's a checklist I got to run through to make sure nothing goes wrong in a traffic stop. Do you have you? Do you feel that when you're getting if you get pulled over? And, not, and I'm not hoping you get pulled over a lot. You know, knock on wood, whatever. But do you feel as especially watching these things that there should be that a checklist pretty much runs through your head of what you cannot do so it doesn't go wrong? Oh, that, that always goes through my head. Um, you know, I, I got a specialty plate on my truck when I bought or on my SUV when I bought it because it's a fast SUV and I knew I was probably going to be speeding. So I literally went and got like it's it's uh, you have to go to Iraq to like combat to get this license plate I have. And I did that specifically because I called my buddy that's sheriff. I said, hey, if, if you were to see me and I was speeding, he's like, ah, I'd probably let you off because I'd have mutualistic respect for you. Right. Um, but even with that, I mean, I still go through, you know, that whole checklist, um, you know, when you're pulled over and the initial contact, I feel like is made um, unless you just have a, a rap sheet. You know what I mean? That's as long as as a, as a poster. I don't feel like, you know, they don't know you or they don't know your background. They don't know your Eakin. They don't know that you're on the radio. That's why, you know, you see these. Uh, I think it was the attorney general or someone in the state of Florida that got pulled over down in like Broward County or something like that. Like that officer had no idea who she was at interaction. So because of that, I always make sure that I have a checklist. My hands are on the steering wheel. Um, But that's kind of all in life. I was in New Orleans a couple of years ago. Um, I go every year for uh, Mardi Gras. And every time I was walking, if I saw a police officer there, I took my hands out of my pocket. And that is in, instilled in my brain that, you know, if I walk by a police officer, I don't keep my hands in my pocket. I don't want them to think that I'm impose, I'm an imposing threat. I don't want them to think I have anything. So, I mean, I'm doing that on vacation, you know? So right. I don't know how everyone feels when they get stopped. I've never lived in a, a you know, a white guy's body. I've never lived in a, another racist body. I just know for me, yeah, there's definitely a, a heightened level of, okay, let me make sure I'm doing all this correctly so it doesn't end up like that. Right. But we're at, we're at a place, gents, where if you if we could offer some solutions, though, because we're at a place now. I saw this tweet earlier and it, and it, it, it was I don't know. It seemed kind of fitting. It was like you can tell the world's about to open back up because a black guy got shot by a cop. That's that's a crazy way to think about the world. To me, that's a that's a crazy way to think about the world here. Here I am like both you guys. Cool as hell to me. I'm glad that you even take the time to be on my show. And we don't look nothing alike. So I asked, I say that to say, what else do we got to do? Because this, this, this can't keep happening. Like we, we talk about training. We talk about, look, man, I'm over hashtags. I, I am. And it's even to the point right now, a whole nother point that the black lives matters under investigation now, because one of the ladies has spent like 3.2 yep. million on, on four houses. So I don't even know what I can believe. And I'm just trying to believe in humanity. You understand what I'm saying? Like that, that's me first. I'm just trying to believe in humanity. So, from a police officer's perspective, what can they do or what should they be doing to make this 
you know, just make it, just make the relationship better. I mean, part of it from the police officer standpoint, get out and get out and know the people in the area that you work, right? That solves a lot of things because now you know, you should know at least who the people who are the violent people. And, and look, we, I, I don't think any of us are naive enough to think that there aren't bad people in this world, right? There right. are definitely bad people in the world that if there were no police, they would just be preying on everybody, right? So it helps to get to know that. But, you know, I, I'd like to switch that up because we've talked a lot about from the law enforcement side and, and what to do and how to do it. But how about from the lawyer side, right? And, and I look at these things. And I look at when these things happen from both perspectives. And I'm going to throw out what's going to be a really unpopular view. Unpopular view. Throw it out there. Throw it out okay, there. They need to hear it. But, <laughs> but it, you know, and I don't. I don't know if you've seen Ekin. I have. Uh, I have a law father picture in uh, my podcast studio, and it says, "The pen is mightier than the sword." Right. Boom. So mm-hmm. when you think of it from that concept, the common thread through all of these is the person who something happened, and, and don't confuse this next statement with. Any, any of the people who have been hurt or killed as a result deserved it. Because I don't, I don't believe that whatsoever. Right. Okay. But if you do what, what you were told to do, if, if you do what the officer said to do, does the outcome change? Right. And I, I, I just think that it does. I, I think if you make the conscious effort to go, fine, you know what? I got a good attorney on speed dial or I know how to find an attorney. Then... You know what? I'll have them fight it. I'll I'll take the ride. If I have to take the ride to the jail, I'll take the ride and and off I go. But I know I can beat it. And I know I live to see another day. That's the one thing that I don't understand how that doesn't become part of the message. Right. Right. So and that's not to say that these officers have all been in the right, because there's a lot of them where they either haven't been in the right or they've just been severely negligent. Right. Like Brooklyn Park. And I was one of the news things said, well, it's a homicide. Well, yeah, by definition, a homicide is the killing of another human being by a human being. Right. So, yes, you're correct. By definition, was it truly criminal? And we're talking from, you know, splitting legal hairs. Right. Or was it just so grossly negligent? Right. And and one like that, maybe it's just gross negligence. But if if you just put your hands behind your back and his hands were behind his back, but if you didn't try to jump in the car. Is this even a, a discussion topic, right? right? If he just said, okay, I'm going to do it, then gets to the jail and calls a lawyer, figure it out from there. But that that's my long lawyer rambling on it. Right, and, and, and actually, oh, actuality, you want, you, want, you want to speak, Cam? Yeah, Go ahead. Go ahead. I think... I think the issue with that, right, is, is I kind of look at this, and Egan and I had a conversation about this earlier. I look at this from, from a multitude of spectrums, right? I look at it from the police officer's uh, side of things, right? As a cop, if I was in her position, you know, he was taken out of the car, he was patted down, they knew he didn't have weapons on him, but they don't know what's in the car. So I try to look at it from everyone's position because I think that that's the fair legal way to do it. Right. What, what you kind of spoke on, I think, brings up a whole different topic though, that now we're talking about the criminal system. So now we're talking about a system that has inherently been not in the favor of of, you know, people of color. I mean, you look at the guy in California that what did he rape uh, the girl, the college kid that ended up getting like probation or something like that. And then you have 
people that are in jail, uh, some mother somewhere, I forgot where it was, I read a, or a story about it. She's in jail for changing her child's address so oh, yeah. you go to a better school, right. right? So you, I think you look at the spectrum and I don't think, I'm very fortunate, I'm very blessed to be a successful person. I have business lawyers, trademark lawyer, any lawyer you could think of on speed dial, but that's not always the norm. So to me, if I'm in a situation like that, I mean, we're talking about the judicial system and we're talking about these kids don't have the funds to go out and, and hire an amazing private attorney like yourself. I mean, I've seen reports where there are some public defenders that can spend a max of 45 seconds on a case just because they have so many. And that doesn't mean that they're not amazing attorneys. One of my uh, buddies I went to college with went to Harvard. He's a public defender. I think that that's a difficult too. Now, am I in any way justifying him getting back in that car, his actions or what was going through his mind in no way, shape or form? I just know that for me, because I had this conversation again last night with one of my best friends who's a sheriff, you know, I said, bro, if I'm walking across the street and a cop pulls up or comes up and I'm walking an old lady across the street and a cop, you know, comes up to me and asks me for my ID, I'm handing him my ID and his response back was, well, you did nothing wrong. I said, I get that I did nothing wrong. And he said, well, you don't have to. I said, yes, but here's the, here's the problem. You have, and this is for all law enforcement officers across America, they have the ability to take something from me that is the most valuable thing, in addition to obviously my life if things go wrong, but that's my time. So for me, I'm not gonna sit there and jaw jack with you. I have companies to run, I have employees to make sure that they're taken care of. I'm just gonna give you my ID. And then if it gets past that, I'm gonna go and make a complaint and I'm gonna you know, figure something out. Unfortunately though, I think a lot of people, especially on the inner city that maybe don't have you know, the same resources that others do, I don't think that they think that way. And that's, that's, the, that's the difficult part. You got people that are in jail, you know, that just took a, a plea deal because they were given, hey, you can either take 10 years or you can spend 30 years in your life. Well, if you have a public defender, I'm probably taking those 10 years all day long. Maybe I didn't do the crime, maybe I did. And again, I'm not a legal expert in any way, shape or form. I have the most admiration for, for lawyers. I wanted to be one for quite some time. One day I may go to law school. Uh, but <laughs> With all I, the other stuff you got going on. <laughs> yeah, all the other stuff I've going on. But I, I do I do understand that part. It's it's difficult for me when I see these things because, you know, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, very rough area. I mean, I was fortunate enough. My mother literally kidnapped me in the middle of the night to take me out of there and, and away from my father at the time because I was going to end up in, in jail or, or dead. I had a half brother that got into gangs, never met him. He was murdered when he was 18. Like the same fate would have probably come to me at some point in time down the road. I struggle with it personally because although I am obviously an African-American male, I don't have to go through some of the same things that people that look just like me go through. And that's tough for me you know, internally to, to sit here and, you know, wonder, well, you know, this person has to go through this and, and I don't, why? Because, you know, I maybe made this decision different than others. So I, I think it's just, it's a lot. I think there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle that all have to come together. There has to be some type of police reform. There has to be some type of policing, you know, of, of what's going on. And, and if they see something going wrong, I mean, like you talked about with the Lieutenant, that happened in December. Right. So you mean to tell me from December until that video was just released, not one person, captain, lieutenant, no one saw that video and said, hey, guys, this is probably going to come out at some point in time. We may want to be in, smart enough to get ahead of this and either open an investigation, figure out, you know, if they had grounds to fire that officer, then fine. But 
that's that's a part of it too. There has to be some regaining of trust, and and I think the worst will obviously not the worst because loss of life is is immeasurable. One of the worst things to me that this brings about is we are now in a perpetual movement of just we are constantly going to get shittier and shittier police officers. I was on a um, a work trip recently, sat down like at a restaurant. A guy sat down next to me. And he started talking to me, you know, just randomly. And I said, oh, what are you doing? He said, uh, oh, I said, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a cop or I was a cop until looked at his watch. He said, 12 o'clock yesterday was my last shift. I said, oh, how long are you a cop for? He said, five years. I said, do you miss it? Is everything okay? He said, why do you just quit? He said, yeah. He's like, I can't do this. People hate us. And he said, I got into this because I wanted to help people. I love helping people. I, I wanted to be a part of the solution. But he said everyone's looking at him as the problem. He said that I guess his last straw was there was a, some kind of crime that happened in the neighborhood. And he was trying to help the family and, and gather information and no one would talk to him. So he's like, it's impossible for me to do my job right now. And that's what's really disheartening to me is that so many good people out there that we should have in uniform. We should have protecting our communities. You sounded like you were probably an amazing officer back then. Now they're not probably going to take that same chance because of just Every everything that's going on and the way that they're looked at and treated. Let me let me jump in. You couldn't pay me enough to go back. There's not yeah. enough money in the world right now that I would ever go back. Yeah. Let me let me uh rebut both of your points here and get your thoughts on this. Billy, your your thought at first, um I want to tackle with um you know, the, the, um, oh, well, both you guys, the, the complying, the compliance and that, that sort of thing. And, and, uh, what, what happens from one incident to the next, right? Do you think that, or has anyone, or maybe the best way to ask this question is like this, from my point of view, what I'm seeing and, and, um, Billy, here's my point that I want to jump in with you. Let's go back to Rodney King. which was the first one that really got caught and got this whole camera thing rolling. Right now, mind you, I was like four or five. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that's what you remember. I'm I'm, I'm just when, and then exploring these points though, I watch a lot of these things like over and over. Like I said, I probably shouldn't have watched a documentary on all that and everything else. When Rodney King was getting beat with those batons by all those different officers. And then they went to court and what I call wordplay lawyer talk, because there's, I mean, at the end of the day, lawyers do, they go in and they, and they deal with, they try to deal with the facts and the facts can sometimes make people feel like that is no way that that's right, but it's the facts or whatever, right? One of the things that was brought up in the Rodney King trial was that he should have just laid there. He should have just stopped. My point and most of the brothers I talked to in the barbershop are like, dude, if you beat my ass with nine different batons, I'm just trying to get away. This ain't so much about me doing nothing to you. I'm just trying to get away because you're beating me with with no thought of stopping. And your reasoning for that is because I didn't just lay down. Now, over to Cam's point, you're walking across the street and a cop tells you, blah, 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 whatever. At what point, though, do they stop crossing the line of your rights? You understand what I'm saying? Because you got a certain amount of rights or you're supposed to in this country, right? Like I'm supposed to be able to just walk down the street I don't just got to give my ID to anybody because they walk up to me and say, give me your ID. Although you have a valid point, Cam, it has happened. I've seen it happen and it can get escalated into something else. So I guess the question is, 
Should we should we be working on that trust or is that trust? Is there a chance that that trust can ever come back? Because that's what it seems like to me when I look at it from my point of view, my point of view, being a black dude that walks out there. And again, Kim, I'm, I'm a lot like you. I don't feel like half the stuff that happens is going to happen to me, especially here in Tampa Bay. I feel like I'm known enough that we're. First time I try not to even get myself in that sort of thing. But if I am pulled over in the midst of a conversation, probably as long as it stays calm, who I am probably comes up and it's like, oh, damn, I've heard you before and whatever. And I'll probably still get the ticket because I probably did something to deserve it. But you know, <laughs> it didn't escalate to nothing else. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of it, what I feel, though, is we don't. And I say we because I don't trust a lot of things when it comes to when I'm watching these incidents. You understand what I'm saying? And I start back, like I said, the Rodney King thing. I watched all those cops walk. Like, it's like they told me I didn't see what I saw. You're looking at the lieutenant who, to me, he did everything right. And this thing was madness from the time he opened, from the time he rolled the window down. And then you got Dante, who again, I'm with you guys both and saying, maybe this does go a little bit different if he doesn't, like, you know, if he doesn't, Go to get away. But I also go 26 years on the force and you don't know your gun from a taser. So it's become one of these things where can we actually trust them or can we actually trust the police or is that's a big deal to me right now. I don't think that we we're, there's a big trusting part when it comes to the people mm-hmm. who are we're paying to protect and serve. Is there a way that we can get that back? Is, is And now maybe I'm asking a question that can't be answered. Is there? I, I don't know, but I. I'll tell you, I, I guess I feel more leery or weary of the the 26 year cop versus the the first or second year, right? And it, they're a little bit older, they're a little bit slower, right? And it's it's nothing against those guys and girls who've been around, you know. If you've been working it for 26 years, you know you're probably upper 40s if i had stayed with it i would have retired at 48 i would have done 25 years she, she, she's 48 yeah she's 48. so you're a step slower right maybe you're not in as good a shape maybe maybe you're not as comfortable with your ability to fight somebody hand to hand and i don't know if maybe that maybe and this is i don't know something i just thought of as we were talking maybe there should be a cap on age maybe it shouldn't be that you know you're out there at 48 working the road and, and dealing with the public in that sense, because you're probably more apt to rely on your weapons and your tools than anybody, than a younger guy or a younger girl. Well, I think too, we feel like, and this is where I meant to go. I kind of got caught in my own points of my own notes here as I was writing them down. We feel like, and I'm saying we because I, f- I feel like I'm really one of those people. I don't feel like they're ever really held accountable, though. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the big deal, too. When these cops do these kind of things, right, we pay. Taxpayers pay. They don't pay. We pay. Like, even if you look at what happened to Dante right now, the chief has resigned. The officer has resigned. So now we're left to wonder, are they getting pension still? Are they getting whatever? Because it's like no accountability. So when you look at it like that. How how can the system change if none of them if they're never seen if if, if Derek Chavin gets off you imagine can you imagine what's going to happen in Minnesota oh. if he gets oh, off God. like and, I don't and we, he gets off. we watched this guy we watched this guy we watched what happened for over nine minutes and we're having if you've watched that trial though I had a young lady call me the other day and she was in tears and I was like what are you crying for it's like two o'clock in the afternoon what what the hell's going on and she was watching the trial and the defense lawyer was having a great day. And she was calling me literally because she was like, 
he might get off. And I hadn't watched that day. But I mean, the defense attorney was probably doing his job, which is to try to create reasonable doubt. But people are that nervous that, again, a police officer won't be held accountable for something that we all know that we saw. And that's, so just, that's, just that's, to, that's okay. I was going to just from the legal analysis on that on that one. And we could legitimately I actually took an entire show to talk about the breakdown on that as the state was proving their case. The uh, and I don't remember what the the third lesser included charge was. I, I believe it was um, it was some kind of negligent homicide, something really somewhat mundane in terms of a charge. I don't I don't personally, from a legal standpoint, see any way the state doesn't win on that charge and get a conviction on that one. If not, the other ones. There's one their their main charge from a legal analysis standpoint is probably a stretch, just because you have to be able to prove the intent, right? And at what point does that intent kick in, right, and all that. But not like I said, not to get off on a tangent on it, but I don't see any way that at least on one of the charges the state isn't successful. I don't know. Is there a solution? Let's can we leave on that point? Is it is there is there if we if you guys could think of it, what would be the solution to what's going I mean, just the way everybody's feeling, the tense. I mean, because I don't think it's gonna get any better. The world's opening back up, which means now we're back outside. Now there's more chances for people to run into each other. There's more chances for problems. There's more chance for attitudes to be towards police officers, tense police officers to be mishandling situations. Is there a fix? I don't I don't I don't know if there's a fix because I, I think we're just realizing in the past couple of years that it's the, the you know, mammoth of an issue it is. I think it was last year. And don't quote me, but. It said Will Smith, but it could have been someone else. I'm going to trust that. Will I think it's Smith Will probably Smith. Said something. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, too. He, yeah, he said racism isn't getting worse. It's just getting filmed. You know, years ago, we all didn't walk around with a 20 megapixel, you know, thousand dollar camera easily accessible in our pockets. And just like you said earlier, what if some of these things don't get, you know, recorded? I think there has to be a level of trust. And I think it has to be seen through, you know, to fruition. I completely get what you're saying about the intent um, and, and all of that when it comes to, to you know, to, to these to these trials that these officers go through. But there's still a level of we still humanize them as they're a police officer. When the uh, young lady I was living in Dallas when that happened, um, the lady that shot the uh, guy that was went into his, his house in his went into his house. Yes. She was coming off of a double shift. It was, you know, she was working a double shift as a police officer, what I don't think she didn't get, I think she ended up getting manslaughter or something. It was re- heavily reduced, right? Whereas that shouldn't, to me, play any part in it whatsoever. I think it's the same thing with this is we're trusting a jury of their peers and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I believe that if a jury goes one way, can't the judge overturn the jury in some situations? It, it, it's tough. Yes. It, it, is it technically legally possible? Yes. But so it's you, not so you, it's not common. So you need you need of a jury of your peers of twelve people, one person on that jury has to understand or could possibly understand what that officer was going through, the threat that he perceived, the fact that this guy was bigger than him or on drugs, all these ancillary things that I don't think matter when it really comes down to to what happened. And then that guy walks and that's the problem. Just like you said with, um, I mean, same thing happened in the OJ Simpson case, right? There, there was a juror that came out and said, I knew he was guilty 
But because all of those white officers in the Rodney King case, which I believe was a year before or something like that, walked, I wasn't going to, to say that he was guilty. That's what that's what's you know, that's scary that we're leaving this up to 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 people that I mean, they can make whatever decision that they want. It takes one person to say, I don't think that he's guilty. And then maybe they do get the lesser charge. I don't you know, I, I don't know how the law thing goes, but I think it goes back to trust. It goes back to, you know, like you mentioned, these police officers getting out in their community. All cops are not bad. Right. All, all cops aren't bad. All, but it's we socially we group them together. If you know, if I went to a doctor and the doctor made a mistake and you know he he gave me something that cut off my arm or he did something you know grievous to me, grievous to me, right? I'm not saying I hate all cops, but that's where we're at right now. That every time this thing happens, we group them together as they are all bad people. I don't think they're all bad people. I don't. I think that there's some great ones out there. I hope that those, you know, this starts to allow them to come back and, and want to be great cops again, because we just don't, as a society, we have, I think the overwhelming response is a lot of people don't have faith in not only the police uh, police departments, they don't have faith in you know um, the criminal justice system. That even when something's happened, when something grievous has happened to them, that they're you know then going to be let off if they're not if they're not guilty. And I think also it boils down to how these uh, police departments conduct themselves afterwards. Show the videotape. Let us know what happened. Show us the full videotape. We don't just care about when you know the police officer started uh, yelling at the lieutenant, which is in insane to me even like um you know says something uh, oh what are you a specialist or a corporal at that moment if i was a cop and i wanted to be an asshole and the guy comes back lieutenant i know whether you know i'm in the military or not i know the lieutenant is not just you're not just off the street you got to go to college you have to go to i mean that's an officer right so at that point i probably would not have taken it or escalated i wouldn't have done it anyway but Things like that, we need to see the whole thing. We need to be fully transparent so that we can start to accept things. Because if not, people are always just going to think things are getting shoved under the rug. Yeah, I don't so, know. Go ahead. You want to? You got a final thought? Yeah, I mean, so and I, I only thought of this as we were talking today, right? So this may not be a fully formed thought, right? It's but, all good. It's welcome. <laughs> every part of every discussion in this comes to. How do we reform the police, right? How do we how do we educate the police and make that side better? But Eek, I'm gonna throw this out at you. And Cam, I don't know if you're in Tampa or not. Yes. But what what if what if the three of us got together and figured out, hey, let's flip it around. What if we educate the most at-risk population or the people who feel like they are the least heard? What if we worked on educating them? What if we worked on a solution, a, a, an avenue to have more access to lawyers, to be more comfortable with, because look, the Supreme Court says, if an officer tells you to get out of the car, they have every right to tell you to get out of the car. They don't have to justify why, right? It, they, the Supreme Court says they tell you to do it, you're obligated to do it, right? Well, what if what if we went on the offensive and said, hey, why don't we educate people, Make give people better access to lawyers so that way they can feel comfortable that they're not going to get railroaded if they go, okay, you know what, you want me to get out of the car, I'm going to get out of the car, I'm going to put my hands up, you want me to get on the ground, okay, I'm going to get on the ground, I'm going to play this out because I know that I have somebody that, and look, there's a lot of really good public defenders and there's sometimes it's 
better having a public defender because you're in the same courtroom with the same judge over and over, right? But that aside, hey, I, I have a private attorney who I can reach at any time. And maybe that's just, maybe it's a thinking outside of the box, different type of solution because what we've been doing the last eight months or so hasn't really worked. Right. And I, and I admit you got a good point there because, um, you know, we, we have these conversations, but I don't think we all know the law. You know, you, of course, yeah. because that's what you do. But me as a private citizen, you hear all these things when you're like in a barbershop conversation or you with your boys and you're having some talks. I mean, ain't nobody going to make me do that or they can't make you do that. And you don't really know. A lot of people don't really know. So I think from both sides, there needs to be, as the both of you pointed out, there needs to be some looking within. Because I think that the only way that we fix the world is everybody should look at themselves first. You know, and, and things could go really different if if one or two steps going into these things were taken. You understand what I'm saying? I, and I'm not saying that for everyone. And I still believe that there are some bad cops, but I also believe that there are some very bad people out here, too. I just don't want to keep losing the good people or the people who are make a bad decision that day or at that moment. They be here and they paying for that with their life. And I don't want a cop to be out on the job like I've saw, I saw a video where it was just two cops sitting in the car and it was happening out in Cali and the guy walked up and just yep. aired out the car. I don't think that that's right either. You understand what I'm saying? Cause I'm not anti-cop. I think that we need them, but I think that we all have to take a step collectively and a step in the right direction of working, you know, towards a solution. And cause I don't, you're right. I don't think there's one answer, even though I asked you guys that question, I think you both make very valid points about everybody. And, 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 you know, maybe that is something we try to take on, but also what that point is, I think that, the people have to want to listen to. And I think that first we have to break down that barrier because I, you know, I'm black first. And I know this for a fact, a lot of people that I've, that I know they're anti-cop just in here, just what has been put on them, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that they don't think that there should be cops here, but there's so many things that they think about cops that it, you got to break that wall down first. And the same way that Cam mentioned, and I, we talked about how some officers immediately, if they know that they're dealing with a black man, the aggressiveness goes it the that's already here when it should still be here it should be a diffusing you know when it's already here because of who the they look at who they yeah they're looking at who they're dealing with so i think we've got a lot a lot of work to do with everybody but i think that these conversations need to be open and candid and people need to look within themselves as a collective i i do believe that and it's just a problem we got to fix man because i these bad videos, man, they 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 gave run through the internet. We, I mean, that every 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 time you open your phone and scroll, if you haven't seen that video, there's another chance for you to see it because it's there. Someone else has posted yep. it. Someone else is offering an opinion, and you know, it's just for the next set of kids in this world that are behind us, our kids, our grandkids. We just got to work on giving them a better place, I think, because this one's going to shit if we don't stop it. So. Final yeah. thoughts from both of you guys, man. I appreciate you guys being here. Um, Cam, I know you'll be back soon. Of course, the law father will become a regular figure on this podcast because Brittany and I don't know a damn thing about the law, and I'm tired of getting it wrong, so I need you on here to get it right. Um, final thoughts from uh, either one of you guys can go first, man. Final thoughts. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think with the right people and the right setup, I think I truly believe that we can all figure this out because I'll tell you what the the feeling sometimes is that sometimes I I don't know I, I just feel like from my perspective it's always looked at as I have to do something more to show that I'm not being racist or that and it's that narrative that's kind of come about right 
I don't know what I'm really trying to say in this situation other than I just want to believe that that people aren't as racist as what is being made out. I want to believe that people are actually good at their core. That's what I'm actually trying to say that I really mangled there. And maybe that's me being maybe that's me being naive, but I really think as a whole I think people are good people and I think that there's enough good people in the world that we can all figure this out. Good point. Cam. I just pray that uh, this stops. I, I pray that, you know, we can find a way to, to get back to some, you know, sense of normality. Um, you know, you, you said perfectly earlier that the world's about to start opening back up. So it's tough seeing all these things that we've seen when realistically, I mean, we're still smack dab almost in the middle of a, a pandemic, right? And you would think that some of these things would, would not be going on. So I just pray that we can get back to some sense of, of trust. You know, it's not a fun world when you see an officer that, you know, is supposed to be there to protect and serve you. And, and all of a sudden your initial reaction is, I need to get away from this person or I need to not be around that person because I don't know if my life's gonna end. Um, today, if I say something wrong or if they, you know, perceive me as a threat. So I think it's going to take a lot of work. Um, I think it's going to take, you know, a, a lot of, of time as far as getting back to that level of trust. But I mean, obviously, I, I pray that, that that is the end result. Yeah, it's a wild time out here. Where, where can they find uh, both of you guys at um, on social media? And Mr. Lawfather, don't forget to plug your podcast here because I know it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll. I'll start with that. I got the the podcast, the Lawfather podcast, uh, talking about all types of different legal issues. We did talk uh, recently about the Derek Chauvin trial, and uh, maybe Eakin and, and Derek, maybe we can uh, or Cam, excuse me. Um, oh man, <laughs> that's a big slip up. <laughs> um, maybe we can all get together, um, you know, again and talk about that trial at, at some point. But um, uh, at the Lawfather gets you to to all the different social media handles uh there's a couple imposters there on instagram so just make sure you find the right one gotcha cam where can they find you at and i don't need a list of your 30 businesses because you know you're rich okay so just just give me <laughs> just give me a couple to get me right to you no, go ahead. just <laughs> at cam folks f-u-o-c-a-m-f-u-l-k-s Hey man, again, we don't I, even talk about business today. That's what next week is. For. Yeah, that's yeah, that's next week. But um, again, though, I, I really appreciate both of you guys for sitting here and being so candid, man. Because again, I know it's it's a it's honestly it's a, it's a, for me, and I lead these discussions. It's, it's a tough discussion because you want to take all these points of view and you want to work with them, you know. And then you watch and you say, "Damn, how am I talking to people that have such a good heart and that want a solution?" And then we watch the news, and it's all just all over the place. You know what I'm saying? So again, I think, I think it starts with people like us doing our part. You made a very good point there, uh, Billy, that, you know, it starts with us. And I think that there's still a lot of good people out there. We just have to get past like the bad ones and get out more in the front, man. So I appreciate you guys once again for uh, taking the time with me for the entire family here at Radio Influence for Miss Brittany Gonzalez, who missed a very good discussion. I am DJ Eakin across all platforms at DJ Eakin and on YouTube, DJ Eakin TV. It's the DJ Eakin podcast, man. I appreciate you guys. And, uh, Whew. This, is, this has been one right here. Thanks, fellas. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, 
please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>